Hello, and welcome to SG Squared. Steve Gladen, the global pastor of small groups from Saddleback Church, pulls from his over 25 years of experience to encourage and equip listeners like you to lead small group ministry. So let's listen and learn together. And beautiful day here over in London, and we're starting off with Nikki Gumbel who is the vicar at HTB, Holy Trinity Brompton Church, and also the pioneer of the Alpha program. So, Nikki, I'm just so glad you let me intrude on you. Oh, no, and, Steve, and, it's and, great and, to have you here. And, well, you know, Nikki, uh, they're going to get to hear a lot about who you are, but I'd love to start out. Um, you're married to Pippa. Tell yeah. me how long you've been married. Kids, grandkids? Or? We have been married. 37 years. Two days ago, we celebrated our, our 37th wedding anniversary. Wow. We um, have three children, and we have just had our third grandchild. He's called Brave. I love um, the heritage of what you've brought to this area. And as people, as we start to unpack who you are, the thing I love about you is the humbleness, the dedication that you have to God's Word. And we're going to close our time out by the, the yearly reading Bible plan that you have uh, through version. But first off, let me know, you, first off, you're the pioneer of Alpha, and these stats are just staggering. Uh, you, 24 million people have done Alpha in 169 countries and 112 languages. Now, I know Alpha, you really know Alpha, but for our people who may not know what it is, can you just kind of give us a, a broad macro view of Alpha and what its target is? The, the way the Alpha evening works is people come for food. Okay. So food is very key. It's like yeah. that's where friendships happen. Food is right at the heart of the New Testament, eating together. Yep. People have a lot of fun. They laugh together. They make friends. Barriers come down during that time. And then they, we hear a talk. And the talk is about what it starts off. Is there more to life than this? Okay. Second talk is about Jesus, then about the cross, faith, the Bible, prayer. And there we present what we believe. Right. So the talk on who is Jesus, mm -hmm. the life, death, and the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Yep. But then when we go into the discussion group, we don't preach twice. So, uh, so okay. the, the, the small group host yep. and the helpers, they're not going to preach or argue. They're just going to listen. So the way it works is that the, the host will ask questions. What do you think? So what do you think about Jesus? What do you feel about Jesus? Uh, and then uh, if the person says, well, I don't believe he was the son of God. I think yeah. he was a great religious teacher. They're not going to say, how, do you, how, do you, how can you say that? There's so much evidence. They're going to say, well, well, that's really interesting. Tell me why you think that. What do other people in the group think? And it's not that the, the discussion group does not revolve around the leader. So it's not the leader asking all the questions, making all the comments. So that's got to lower the fear factor of the people you're recruiting to lead these groups. Yeah, it's hosting a group, you don't need to know anything. In fact, the more you know, the more of a disadvantage it is. Because <laughs> the more you know, the more tempted you are to say it. Oh, it's true. The less you know, the more you're going to be listening to what other people have to say. The key thing mm -hmm. is that it's the guests talking to the other guests. We demonstrated, actually, with a, with a ball game. So we put people in, a, and, and we do this to the, at the right at the start of the course. We say, this okay. is how an alpha small group works. Okay. And I stand in the middle with a ball, and I say, this is the discussion. And I throw it to one of the guests, and the guest throws it back to me. I throw it back and forth. I say, that's not how a small group works. It's not a conversation between one person and everybody else listening. That would be gotcha. really boring. Then I say, nor is it like this. 
and I throw it to one, and then I throw it to another, throw it to another, and they th every time they're throwing it back to me. Right. And I said, it's not like that. It's not like I'm controlling it, asking the questions, making a comment after every point. This is how an alpha small group works. Wow. So I throw the ball to a guest, and then I get the guests to throw it amongst themselves. Wow. And I said, that is how the alpha small group works. That's what's amazing. Sometimes it takes two or three w weeks to establish that, because to begin with, Particularly, say, if I'm, if I'm in the group yep. and I've just given the talk, then they always ask me all the questions. Yeah. And I, I have to explain to them, look, this is the way it works. And, but very quickly, they get it, even if it's me. But with the other small group leaders, it's easier because they haven't given the talk. So they just throw it amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. They discuss amongst themselves. And it is amazing how, to begin with, they think, this is really frustrating. I'm not going to answer my questions. But by the end of the course, it's amazing how the answers have emerged through this discussion mm -hmm. between people who are not in the church. Wow. Between, and it's this extraordinary dynamic that they are exploring together. Now, there's a couple of things that you just mentioned. I just want to try and pull this up. So you alluded to, so do you, do you lead one of the alpha small groups? I'm always in a small group. I don't lead it. I'm a helper. That's, so, that's true. So, I, just, I violated the principle right away. So, so. <laughs> so we have hosts and helpers. And... Um, uh, Pepper and I are always now help. We used to lead groups, yeah, but now we're helpers in groups. Now the helpers don't say anything. So literally, we sit for ten weeks and we say nothing in the small group. Of course, the helpers chat to the guests during supper. Sure, you bet. Uh, yeah, one to one. But weekend, you're modeling it. But we're modeling listening. Just out of curiosity, do you know how many times you've been doing that? Or uh, well, I think this is the seventy-fourth small group in a row that we would have been in. The one that starts next Wednesday. That's amazing. Um, but I did a few before that as well. I've probably done about eighty small groups. Um, but I mean, it, it shows your heart. It shows your heart not only to intellectually put it out there, but to model to the people and of all people, uh, you know. We just love it. I, mm -hmm. I look. It's the highlight of my week. Now, sitting in the small group, listening. It's so fascinating. And the average age is twenty-seven. The people who come on our course. There are people outside the church from across London, all sorts of people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, and you sit there listening to these people discussing the most important questions in life. Hello. And forgiveness, um, what life is about, how you find happiness, all these kind of discussions that go on. Is felt riveting. needs. It They're is all felt absolutely needs. absolutely fascinating. Now, the numbers of Alpha are are staggering. I mean, did you ever imagine when you started this, it would be what it is? And, and why, do you, why do you think it's taken off so much? I mean, 169 countries, I mean, there's only 197. So, you, you know, you're lagging on about 30. So I'll... I imagine it's probably in every country. <laughs> I, 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 I say that because I was in India two or three years ago, and I, I met someone, someone came up to me actually in India and said, uh, they recognized me from the videos. And they said, they said, they've done Alpha. So I said, where did you do Alpha? They said, the Faroe Islands. So I said, uh, I didn't even know where the Faroe Islands were. So, <laughs> so, oh, near do I, so. so. I, I, uh, they said, and they explained, they're, they're attached to Denmark. So I said, well, what language did you do the course in? And they said, we did it in Faroese. Wow. So I said, are there other churches in the Faroe Islands that are doing Alpha? He said, yeah, all the churches in the Faroe Islands do Alpha. So when I got back to London, I, I asked our, our guys, do we have any record of Alpha running the Faroe Islands? They said, we've got no record of it at all. Isn't that the beauty of the gospel? So they, uh, they hadn't got permission to translate into Faroese. 
but that's how it works. Just don't so, tell the publisher. So, so, uh, so yeah, that, that, I imagine it's now in every country yeah. in the world. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is extraordinary how it's spread virally because it's people telling their friends. Um, and that's how, that's how it, it works because there's this spiritual hunger in people's hearts. Mm. Every human being, whether they're a Christian or not, has this ache, this, this hunger for God. God has yeah. put eternity into the hearts of human beings. And so people are searching for something. What happens when we die? Is this life all there is? Is there more to life than all the stuff I yeah. do? Every human being has those questions. The difficulty is where do you discuss them? Yeah. Because those questions, it's difficult to, uh, at a football match, or you say to your, your mate, yep. well, what do you think the meaning of life is? Right. You can't do that or go down the pub or whatever it is. You can't, you can't, it's a very difficult conversation to have. But people want to discuss it. If you can provide the right environment. I think that's so critical. Where it's relaxed, mm. non-pressurized, non-preachy, where you're not judged for what you, what you think or what you believe or what you've done, then people will come and they'll, they'll talk. And, they, and once they've experienced it, they'll tell their friends. Yeah. You brought up a great, great point that people are going to discuss these questions, whether we facilitate it or they facilitate it. And why not put it in an environment where it's it's held in the church and it and it's and it's brought through? So I applaud that. Now, just let me just backtrack a little bit more. Uh, a lot of people may not know that you grew up an, an atheist. Can you just kind of talk to me? I know that's got a probably a long story to it, but kind of give me the shorter version. But you know, talk to me about how you went from atheist to being a follower of Christ. My father was Jewish. Uh -huh. He was a secular Jew. He was, his family, many of his family had died in the Holocaust. Um, oh, wow. And he came over here um, and he was um, an agnostic. Mm -hmm. My mother was um, a non-church going, um, some nominal Anglican. Mm -hmm. um, so I had no kind of church going um, background. Um, and when I was a teenager, um, I sort of established my own position, which was I was an atheist. I just came to the conclusion okay. that there could not be a God. There was no God. I wrote about it and I became quite antagonistic towards Christians. And I used to argue because when I, I was at Cambridge University uh, and um, there were quite a lot of people who there were sort of, you know, out to get the new, yeah. the new students. <laughs> and um, I was very vociferous in my uh, attacks on them and my defense of atheism. And what happened was my closest friend, we had rooms right next to each other. I'd known him uh, since I was 12. Mm -hmm. And um, I had told him to stay well away from all these Christians because they were dangerous people. Uh, but uh, he kept it quiet. And, and he told me, he and his girlfriend, now his wife, Nikki and Sulali, they are now, uh, came back and told me that they'd become Christian. Wow. And I was devastated because they were such lovely people. And I thought... They what? got corrupted. They got... They, uh -huh. so, but I started, that night I started investigating and the only thing, I was going to investigate religion and uh -huh. philosophy. So the only thing I had was a New Testament and I started reading it. Well, I had a, an old Bible basically that I'd had for, for RE lessons at school. Yeah. And I started reading it that night and it was through reading the New Testament that I encountered Jesus. And that was the turning point of my life. Well, now where did, and okay, so add that mix into it. And then we have, uh, you were originally studying to be a trial lawyer and you went into that profession. Talk to me about, you know, wh when did the shift to being a pastor or a vicar, when did that come well, to play? All my family are lawyers. 
My father was a barrister. My mother was a barrister. My sister's a barrister. My son is qualified as a barrister. My daughter's qualified as a barrister. I practiced uh, as a barrister for 10 years. So basically, everybody in the family are barristers. My uncle's a barrister. Both grandfathers on both sides are barristers. So it's kind of like, I had to do it. Yeah, so I, I should say so. so uh, and certainly there was no prospect of me, me, my parents approving of what I was doing, getting, getting ordained as a minister in the Church yeah. of England. Um, but at least if I'd done law first, <laughs> that was kind of going to... There was less resistance. There were, they would... I, I tried. So, so yes, I, I did a law. I, I actually switched to doing law at, at Cambridge. And then I did a, I, I practiced as a barrister. I did te almost 10 years law altogether. And then I um, went to back to, to Oxford this time to study theology. And I did uh, three years theology at Oxford. And then I was ordained um, in the Church of England. Now, I know there's a lot of pastors or a lot of people watching this that maybe in secular fields that maybe feel the call of God. I mean, was it nervous? Were you scared, or was it just like, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make the shift"? Or what what was that? There were a lot of uh, factors involved in it. Obviously, these things are complex. But I I yeah. think from the moment that I encountered Jesus, I wanted to communicate that to other people. I, I'm shy. I'm introverted. I'm not. Uh, it's, it was not an easy thing for me. I, but I I felt so passionately about it. I wanted to learn how to communicate because I thought it was such an important message to get out there. Because I, I, I knew what I felt when I was an atheist. Yeah. I knew the emptiness of mm -hmm. that life. And I could see there were so many other people who were, uh, they were lost, effectively. Uh, however successful they were, you could see that there was something, something missing. And it's like if you, you're in a desert and you find water, presumably you'd want to tell everyone about it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to tell everyone about it. So uh, that was why straight away I wanted to and i just didn't know the right way to do it i didn't know whether the best way was to be a lawyer yep and to be involved in the church but as i started to think it was as partly as i read the bible and certain verses sort of stood out to me yeah. as a sense of calling but also as i thought long term somebody said to me where do you want to be think 10 years ahead if you achieve all your all your dreams is that where you want to be and i thought as a lawyer, 10 years, if I'd achieved all my dreams, if I'd been a really successful barrister, yeah. if I'd been a high court judge, yeah. uh, and I thought, actually, that's not what I want to do. So if, even if you achieve all your dreams, you get to a place that you don't want to get to, <laughs> is there any point in doing that? So, and then I thought about if, if I did everything that I really want to do mm -hmm. in terms of communicating about Jesus mm -hmm. in 10 years' time, and it, what's actually happened is way beyond anything that I imagined. Wow. But I thought, if I was able to, to help a few people find Jesus, that would be, I would feel so much more satisfied wow. than being a high court judge. So um, that was, I, I suppose, at the end there. But well, at least if I, if I go this way, then if I do achieve all my dreams, I will be doing something that I really want to do. Wow. And that's what I, I, but what I'm doing now is far more than, than I ever imagined would be possible. Well, obviously, you know, you're a follower of Christ through the journey you went through. So many people in Alpha have been that way. Is, is there a place in Alpha, uh, I, and I know it's, you know, part course, part, you know, discussion. Is there a place when people uh, kind of make that encounter with Christ, or is this kind of all over the map? It, but it happens at different stages for different people. Yeah. I think for some people, the moment they arrive, something happens. Mm. It's like they, they encounter Jesus in 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 the community it's yeah. like just the the people there 
for some people, it's it's the talk. Who is Jesus? Yeah. They 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 understand that Jesus actually lived, died, rose again. It's real. Wow. Some people, it's the cross. They they just under they understand Jesus died for them. Mm. Um, forgiveness is possible. They we we always have this little book called Why Jesus, and there's a prayer in the back of that that they can pray. And people take it away. And sometimes people pray it after Who is Jesus? Sometimes people pray it after. Uh, why did Jesus die? Sometimes, how can I have faith? You know, that we explain to people how you can invite Jesus, that picture yeah. of Jesus standing at the door of your life and knocking, mm. wanting to come in. And we give people an opportunity to invite him in. And sometimes that's the moment. The most common moment is the weekend. We have a weekend on the personal work of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And we give people an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the features of Alpha which I would not have put in there if I'd been writing an evangelistic course. Yeah. It's a whole weekend on the Holy Spirit. Because it was a course for people already Christians, that was in there. And yeah. I would have, I would never have put that into an evangelistic course. It wasn't in the sort of traditional evangelistic course. Yeah, you're course. right. <laughs> um, and, but then what we found was that was the moment. That the main, when we read the questionnaires, what was the moment that it's the weekend? And it's the, it's the Holy Spirit. And actually, when you read the New Testament, of course, that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's, it's only the Holy Spirit that can enable someone to have yeah. a relationship with God. It brings the power of conviction. and Everything. Wow. Everything is, happens through the Holy Spirit. It it's always starts with God's... The, the movement in the New Testament is from God, us. Mm -hmm. It's the Holy Spirit work that enables us to yeah. repent faith and put our trust in. Wow. And so... That's the most common moment is, is the, um, the weekend away, the, the experience of the Holy Spirit. And that means that not only the people, it's not like, oh yeah, okay, I'm a Christian now. Yeah. It's like, wow, this is exciting. I experienced God. I, I felt God's love for me. And, and the journey now begins. Well, when you feel God's love, then that's a totally different thing. Not just you say, oh yeah, I'm intellectually convinced Jesus yeah. died and rose again. Um, yeah, I can tip the box. I'm a Christian. It's like, feel God's love for me. And this mm. is a life-changing experience. And then even after the weekend, people, one guy, it was the talk, how can I resist evil? He came up to me, the guy, very good friend of mine now, but he was a very, again, an argumentative lawyer. <laughs> and his wife had become a Christian 10 years before. And uh, he was just not interested. But his two daughters wrote to him. And they said, and they were only, uh, I, I guess they were in their, uh, maybe not even teenagers. And they wrote and they said, Dad, we really want you to do our oh So he came on, he came on the course only because of his, of his daughters. And, uh, well, and his wife, although she hadn't said anything to him. Right. Uh, she just lived it out for 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, and he was not interested, came up to the course, weekend. The talk, how can I resist evil? He came up to me afterwards and he said, I'm a lawyer. In my work, I have seen so much evil always believed in the power Isn't of evil. Isn't that fascinating, yeah. Now tonight I realize the logic struck me. If there's a power of evil, maybe there's also a power of good. And he, he came to faith that night. Then people somewhere on the church, the talk on the church, the last talk, they go, wow, community. That's what, I now I understand what church is, it's community. And they've experienced it. To all the way through the course, they're experiencing church. They don't realize it, they're sitting in a small group. But what is a small group? It's a microcosm of the church. Well, let me let me piggyback on that. So, what role do small groups play in Alpha? Because you, you mean, you're ending on community. It seems like it's a big piece. It's at, at the the small group is much the most important part of the evening. So, the meal's important. 
<laughs> talk's important, coffee's important, but the most important thing is the small groups. Yeah. And that's what keeps people coming. What happens is they, they form friendships in the small group. Yeah. If the small group's working, not working well, they probably won't come back. But what happens is they, they, they may disagree with everything that's being said, they may not like the talks, mm -hmm. uh, but they like, they like Fred. Uh, they like they like they like Anna, and uh, they get on well with them. Wow. And they both disagree with the talks, so they they <laughs> they think, oh, I want to come back and see Fred and see Anna. So has a small group always been an integral part of the Alpha course? Yeah, yeah, it's the absolute key to the whole the whole course is the small group. Wow. Um, and they make friends with the people in the small group. They're on this journey of faith together. So Anna becomes, you know, takes a step of faith. Yep. And they say, hey, last week. You're arguing the other way. And they're like, what? What's happened to you? Wow. And that's why they help each other. Because it's what's happened to Anna that helps me, the, uh, the guest. I go, hey, last week Anna was saying she didn't believe. Yeah. Hey, what's happened to you? Well, this is what happened to me. Or somebody says, well, you know, I've started reading the Bible. Mm. This is another thing that happened. People say, well, I, think I want to look at the original source. So I'm going to start reading the Bible. What a novel concept. And they start reading. They start, I, I think of one guy called, called Malcolm. He was so aggressive. He was a, he, an actor. Actually, he was an actor's agent. He had been an actor, then became an agent. Uh -huh. And he said he had, had, he told us afterwards, he had an address book of all the, um, the most evil people in London who were his friends. And I mean, he lived a very wild life. But on the first, he said, well, you know, always when, when, when in, if you're in a play, you read the script said, so I'm going to start reading the Bible. So he started reading Matthew's gospel. And every week uh -huh. he'd come back and say, I'm halfway through Matthew. I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm reading Luke. I don't like Luke, he'd say. <laughs> but every time it was so interesting. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in John's gospel. And then, of course, he, he came to faith. But, um, it, it, this is, but the people in the group were all watching. Oh, what's Mark going to say next week? Yeah. You know, how's he getting on with reading the Bible? And then when he, of course, when he became a Christian, they're like, oh my goodness. Mm. And they're, it's really interesting. People say, I haven't seen God. But Jesus says the wind, the Holy Spirit's like the wind. Mm -hmm. You can't actually see the wind, but you can see the impact of the wind. Yeah. So they say, well, I, I can't see God. And you say, well, actually, you've been watching the Holy Spirit changing Malcolm. Yeah. So you have seen God. You haven't seen, you, you've seen the impact yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Wow. You can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can see the change in Malcolm. That's like the, where the wind blows the leaves. You can mm. see, the wind is real. You, oh, I can't see the wind. The wind doesn't exist. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, but you can feel it. Yeah. And you can see the, wind, the leaves. Wow. You can see Malcolm changing. Yeah. And they go, wow, maybe there is a God. Maybe mm. the Holy Spirit is real. But Nikki, let me shift gears a little bit on you. The, a lot of the people that are watching are involved in small groups leading it, or they're the point people in small groups. Tell us, you know, about small groups and HTB and how maybe Alpha feeds into your small groups. Well, the small group, at the end, the last night, we say to them, the four questions last night. First of all, how'd you get on the course? Yeah. People go around the small group and they give their, effectively, they give their test. And sometimes it's the first time ever said mm. what's happened to them and that's often the moment the penny drops because you know it's when you confess with your lips that something happens yep 
So we do that. Second thing we say is, what would you like to do now? The answer is always the same. The answer is, we don't mind what we do now, as long as we stay together as a small group. Oh, wow. So sometimes people come back and help on the next course, but very often that small group will go on to be a small group in the church. Mm. Maybe they'll link up with, because the numbers will go down because the leaders and helpers probably won't go on. Maybe one of the leaders or helpers will go on with that small group. Yep. But quite a lot of the leaders and helpers will, will be involved in the next course. So um, I, I think you met my friend Steve. Yes. Uh, who, who helped in the last course. Yeah. Uh, that he was, well, he led the group and that we were helping. Yep. So he has taken that small group on yeah. uh, and linked up with other people and he'll be looking after that small group. Wow. So that's how these, these um, so very often that, that or maybe two small groups will combine, form a new small group in the church. Mm -hmm. And it, it morphs a bit because what happens is to begin with, they just want to be with that group. They're the only Christians they know. Mm -hmm. And they want to, and then maybe they're not even Christians yet at the yep. end of the course, but That's they still the want to be with them. Yep. And they still want to keep on meeting together. But then maybe they'll link up with a slightly bigger group. Some of our connect groups are a bit bigger. Uh -huh. And they'll meet a whole lot of other people in the church. Yep. And then maybe they'll say, well, actually, you guys live a lot nearer to me than, and geography becomes more important further down the track. Yeah. And so you live, well, maybe I'll start meeting with you because they made new friends. Yeah. But to begin with, they just want to stay meeting with the people mm -hmm. they know from out. The thing I love about um, what Rick does on, for me at Saddleback and what I see you doing at HTB, over the years, what, what have you seen to be the importance of the small group ministry in the church? The small groups are absolutely essential to church. People need community. We are created for community. Mm -hmm. We're created for a relationship with God. Yep. But we're also created for a relationship with one another in the church. And you, you can't, to be a Christian is to be a member of the church. Mm -hmm. It's, we, we, we're called into a community and we need one another. You can't be a Christian on, a, on your, someone said you can't marry on your own, can't be a Christian on your own. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you need other people. The way that need is met is different in, mm -hmm. for different people, but we all need community. And it's not enough to come walk into church on Sunday, sit in a chair and then walk out again. Mm -hmm. That's not church. Church is about people. The church is the people of God. Mm -hmm. It's the family of God. It's Jesus said, I've called you my friends. Mm -hmm. The most Professor David Ford is an expert on John's gospel. So the yeah. most important word verse in John's gospel yeah. is where Jesus says, I've called you friends. Yeah. That's what it's all like. Friendship with Jesus and friendship with one another. Wow. And we need our friends. And this generation, bear in mind, average age people come on Alpha is 27. That's probably the vast majority of people in our church are aged between 18 and 35. Mm -hmm. It's called the friends generation. And they, they recognize they need friends. There's a difference between Facebook friends <laughs> and real friends. Um, and what they need is real friends. They need community. Often the things that people are doing, drugs, sexual promiscuity, yeah. what they're really looking for is deep, lasting relationships. And where you find that is in church. 
how you do that size of a small group uh, that varies from church to yeah. church but everybody needs community they need and so we have connect we have um so we have alpha and then you join a connect group connect group very inside typically younger people want larger groups yeah because if you're if you're young and new to faith and single you don't want to be in a group with just very few people yeah you want a bigger group yeah and so a lot of them are in, in slightly bigger groups um if you are older you've been a christian a long time and you're married uh you've got children running around yeah you, you're not so keen on meeting loads of new people uh you've heard <laughs> all the talks on john's gospel and what you really want is a quite a small group yeah where you can really talk get close to each other um talk about all the things that are going on you don't want constantly new people mm -hmm. joining it so the, the probably the needs are different as you get older as you've been a christian longer of course there are dangers in that but nevertheless we find that the people of that age tend to want to the smaller groups where they, where they can really talk and burn themselves get received prayer and so on yeah. younger people want the bigger group they can um, learn stuff meet new people and then maybe also have small smaller groups maybe yeah. two or three people they meet with they can pray together but uh, your variety i think is, is is key for the different needs different ages different stages mm -hmm. but what is key what we say to everybody is you need some kind of small group in your life you need some kind of friendship group yeah. around you now nick i'm going to try and frame this question as best as possible as honoring as possible uh at least in america they say most uh senior pastors or people leading their congregation attract usually 10 years younger 10 years older and and not that you don't fit that demographic um but htb holy trinity brompton you you see you alluded to it before but i just want to bring it out the average age you, you have over 5,000 attending on the weekend and the average age is between 18 and 35. now i'm just guessing you're you're maybe a I'm, little bit I'm out of that demographic. Just, I'm 59 and <laughs> yeah. I'm not quite 60. Uh, but, uh, but what is making it so relevant? I mean, and in London, I mean, yeah. people have a stereotype that uh, Europe is dead. Uh, you can't reach the younger generation. You're, you're 59 and a half and, and you are. What's made it so relevant? Well, I don't think I am, but I think the church, our churches, uh, I think, I think Alpha uh, is the reason that's kept our church very young because um, because the average age on Alpha is 27. So we've got this stream of young people constantly joining the church. And that's the age group that are really uh, such. Actually, interestingly, if you look at most churches, I don't know how it is in the US, mm -hmm. but most churches in the UK, the demographic that's missing is 18 to 35. Yeah. And if you look at the demographic on our course, it peaks at 27 and it tails off to 35. It's that whole demographic that Alpha hits. And so that's the group that's coming into the church. We've got slightly older because we've been running Alpha for so many years now right. that some of those people, a lot of them have gone off to plant churches because that's what we do, yep. plant churches. And we send people off, but, but some of them are still there. So we have got a little bit older as a church, but still the vast majority are the ones, the new ones coming in who are at the younger end. So, but it's setting on me. I mean, I, I play very little role in the church. Other people preach, other people lead. So it's, it's, it's run by much younger people. And the talks on Alpha are given by my, I used to do all the talks on Alpha. Yeah. But as you say, you can perhaps reach people 10 years older, 10 years younger. So when I was 39, yeah. I was doing all the talks on Alpha. 
Yeah. And that was okay. But as I have got older, I've had to do less and less of the talks. Mm. And there'll come a time, not far ahead, where I won't be doing any of the talks. Now, do you think that age group uh, are finding the small group component attractive? Is that, is that what is being appealing to them? Yeah, it's, it definitely is. It's interesting. Our, our younger groups on our always ran. And we try and have 12 people in a group. Yeah. Two leaders, two, well, two hosts, as we call yeah. them, two helpers, eight to 10, 12 guests. But the younger groups, like we've got 20 in the group. Older groups, we can't fill it, find it much harder to fill. <laughs> um, but the, but the, the young people, mm -hmm. are, they love, this is, this is what they love. And wow. this is what makes, attracts them to the course. Um, and this is what holds them in their faith is the friends that they make. Yeah. Nikki, let me, as we're winding this down, what, what's that important life lesson that, that you've learned that you'd want to share to the folks? I, I guess the more I go on in life, the more I realize that it's the simplicity. Mm -hmm. I mean, the simplicity of our faith is it's all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Simplicity about life is it's all, it's all, it's all about Jesus. It's all about love. Yeah. And, and that is what, love is the most important thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the most important relationship with God, but, but love is, is, it's a love relation. It's God's love for us. That's what the Holy Spirit, that's why the weekend is so important. Yeah. Because we experience God's love. That's why the talk on Jesus and the cross is so important because that's yeah. how we know God loves us. Uh, then our relationship of love to God is, is why we worship, why we do all the things that we do and love for one another. That's mm. what brings unity in the church across all the different churches. That's what holds a local church together. That's what holds a marriage together. That's yeah. what holds a family together. It's all about mm. love. And I think that's one of the reasons young people come because they find love. Wow. They're looking for love in the wrong places. But when they come and they find Jesus and they find his community and his friends, mm -hmm. they really find love. Now, and let me take a question one more step further. What would you say to all the small group point people? There are a lot of people that are watching this. They're, they're overseeing all the small groups. What, what would you say to them? What's, what's that life lesson you've learned for them? I think, I think it, yeah, it, it, it's the, the secret of the small groups is love. Yeah. It's loving the people. And that means you can be yourself because it's not about technique. It's not about how clever you are. It's not about how much you know. Mm -hmm. It's about love and that's authenticity. It's just be yourself. That's yeah. the key thing in life. And then uh, love means listening. If you love people, you'll listen to them. Mm. You'll be genuinely interested in them. People can tell very quickly whether your questions are just sort of pat questions or whether you're genuinely interested in what they have to say. Mm. And, and if you're genuinely interested in them and you love them, then you'll listen to them yeah. and you'll encourage them. And encouragement is why people come back. I've noticed this over and over again. Mm. People come on Alpha and they're in a tough job. They're, they're criticized a lot, very negative environment. Sometimes they're working yeah. in and they come on Alpha and they think, Everyone, everyone was nice to me. Everyone was encouraging. Mm. And they may not agree with me, but they welcome me. They love me, regardless of my lifestyle, regardless of what I've done in my life. They're not mm. judging me. They're welcoming me. They're loving me. And they think, I'll go back to that because that mm. was really nice. That wow. was really good. And 
then they begin, they realize this is what church is. Church is a place where people are welcome and loved and not judged and experience God's love. And that, that is so attractive. For those of you that are they're watching this, also I want to encourage you that uh, Nikki and his wife Pippa have done a commentary to a, a year-round Bible reading program. And on uh, Uversion, you can uh, download that and you can be a part of it. Over uh, 600,000 people, and it sounds crazy, over 600,000 people are doing this yearly Bible reading plan to go through the Bible in a year. And if you want to transform your life and the lives of the people in your group, that's something that they can do. Just download the app and you'll see the Bible reading plan there. And I just encourage you to jump into that. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And to dive in deeper, get more resources, or join the Small Group Network, just head over to smallgroupnetwork.com.